You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Are you thankful that we have a firm foundation in our faith in Jesus Christ? I mean, look around. Our country is being shaken in so many ways. World politics and natural disasters and who knows what happens and what's coming down the road. But we have something that's firm. And that's what this sermon series has been all about. It's been about the unshakable foundation we have in our faith in God. We've talked about our unshakable church that Christ has built. We're talking about the unshakable mission that we've had, unshakable freedom, the unshakable peace. Today we're going to wrap it all up talking about the unshakable power that God has given you and me to make a profound impact in our world, in our lifetime. And, and we have that. We have that. The big idea today is you already have what it takes to persevere through your pain. You already have what it takes to recover from your failures. You have what it takes to be a powerful force for God's love in the world around you. The problem is, I think many of us have it, but we don't realize that we have it. And because we don't realize it, we don't tap into it. I want to begin in a little different way today than what I normally do. Uh, There's a movie that's just come out this weekend, a Disney movie, a new movie called The Queen of Cotway. Now, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard about it and read, uh, and there's a book that this is based on. It's a true story about a young lady that had potential that, uh, that she never would have known until somebody believed in her and she was given the right opportunity. I could tell you her story, but ESPN did a nice little um, segment on her. So I thought, why don't we just watch that? All right, let's go ahead and watch that. I, I wanted us to see that because it's just a great perfect example of what untapped potential is like. This girl growing up in some of the, in the poorest conditions in the world, in these slums of Uganda, has uh, somebody believed in her. Somebody saw something in her. She started playing this game. No girls played it. It's interesting, her chess coach there, it doesn't say it on the video, he was a Christian missionary. And he, and he started teaching soccer to kids in the slums, but then he saw a lot of kids on the sidelines who weren't going to be able to play soccer, so he started a chess, started teaching them how to play chess. There isn't even a word for chess in the Ugandan language. But he started teaching them, saw her. She only went there to get food for the day. They would give them a meal. They'd give us some porridge. They'd let them play chess. And then this girl becomes a world chess uh, master. So I see that as a metaphor for how I see how many people have untapped potential. You, you, you've seen it. Every parent sees that untapped potential in their child, don't they? They know that that child is made for so much more, and they can see it, and they just need the right coach, they need the right teacher, they need the right person to say the right thing to draw it out of them. You see it in the kid that doesn't know how to read, or can't read very well, but then he picks up a musical instrument, and all of a sudden he takes to it like a fish in water, right? I mean, you see it in the kid that can't throw a ball and then hit the side of a barn, but he can conquer the world of Minecraft, right? You see it in the... In the in the, the kid that never gets asked out on a date, but they know how to figure everything out and they become this incredible scientist and they create new treatments for cancer. It's, it's amazing 
the potential that we have that sometimes never gets reached, but we need the right circumstances or the right situation in order for that potential to be drawn out of us. And I am here to say today that we have far more potential that we know that we have. We can do more than we ever created or ever thought that we could because our creator put it there. All of us have been endowed with gifts and abilities by our creator to be able to make an impact for Christ in the world today. And many of us are sitting on that potential. Many of us are sitting back waiting for something to happen in order for it to to be drawn out of us. And I just want to encourage you today that you have it. You have it. Peter, who we've been going through Peter's letters, 1st and 2nd Peter. Today we're in 2nd Peter. So if you have your scripture, turn there in your Bible. If you have a digital version of it, or if you want to follow along in the Riverside app, you can do that. But we're in 2nd Peter chapter 1 today. And we want to talk about how do you reach the potential that God has for you? How do you unlock that potential? And you can, and a lot of it is by recreating, reframing your thinking from I can't to I can to I have what it takes. And that's what Peter's trying to get across in this first chapter of Second Peter. He begins with a greeting and then he says this, I pray, verse 2 of Second Peter chapter 1, I pray that God will be kind to you and let you live in perfect peace. May you keep learning more and more about God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what it says right here. We have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. It was all given to us by God's own power. And when we learned that he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness, God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us and we would escape the evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. So here's the thought I want you to get in your head right now. I have the power. Can you say that? I have power. Say it again. I have you have the power. The power to what? It says here in this text that you have the power to please God. You have the power. You have the power to live a life free from the things that addict you, free from the things that, that hold you back. You have the power to forgive. You have the power to love. You have the power to give. You have the power in you to be the person that God wants you to be. God proclaimed that we have everything we need to live a God-pleasing life. And he promised that because we can tap into God's divine nature. He doesn't say we become gods. We don't become God. But we can tap into God's divine nature. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, the old things are past and what? All things have become new. We have, when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And it is that power within us that we already have. It is the potential to be all that God wants us to be so that we could make an impact in the world around us. When we tap into the power of Christ, we begin to bear fruit, as it says in Paul's letter to the Galatians. We no longer give in to the works of the flesh. We now begin to bear the fruit of the spirit that is in us, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. We're going to be talking more about that because he goes on here in just a little bit. But I want us to say it again. I have the power. Can you say it? Okay, maybe you can remember this. 
Yeah. Anything to get your attention. That's our theme for the day. I've got the power, okay? I want you to be able to walk out of here believing that you've got the power to be the person that God wants you to be, okay? So, so, so many of us live with the idea that, oh, I can't be a good person. Oh, I can't give up this addiction. Oh, I can't quit this habit. Oh, I can't forgive that person that hurt me. Oh, I can't. But God's wanting to tell you, you can you can. You can. You can. You can. You have the power. God has given it to you. It's in you. And then he goes on and he goes on to describe how we can build that power within us. Do your best, he says, to improve your faith. And you can do this by adding goodness, understanding, self-control, patience, devotion to God, concern for others, and love, similar to the list that Paul gives in Galatians with the fruit of the Spirit. So, so not only do I have the power, I can grow in the power. I can grow in that power. God's gift to us is potential. Our gift back to God is what we do with that potential. So if you have the potential, what are you going to do with that potential? You've got to practice it. Like, uh, like Fiona, who I'm sure did not become a, 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 a successful um, chess player until she played it for a while, you got to practice in order to get better at these things, right? So he says, you add to your faith, add to it these things that he mentions here. A life that pleases God, so often we think about it, well, it's no, I can't do this, I can't do that. We always put it in terms of, well, if I'm going to be a good Christian, then I have to subtract things out of my life. But you know what? Really being a good Christian doesn't happen by subtraction, it happens by addition, right? If all we're worried about is what we can't do now, that we're supposed to be a good person, then we're never going to build on our faith. You build on your faith by adding to your faith these issues, these items that he mentioned here. So it's done by addition. You add these things, you add the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians, and it takes care of the works of the flesh. You do these things, you focus on how I can build my life and it's going to get better. Notice the things he says here. I'm just going to touch on them briefly. He says, add to your faith goodness. The King James says virtue. Another version says good character. Add to your faith good character, goodness. And, and it's really about behavior, right? It's about behavior. It's about doing the right thing. To, to paraphrase Forrest Gump's mother, good, or goodness is as goodness does, okay? It's, it's the action of doing. A lot of times you hear people say, oh, you know, that he's really a good person. Yeah, I know that he likes to fight, and he likes to drink, and he likes to gamble, and he likes to cheat on his wife, but I know inside he's a good person, no, no, we're not talking about the person who has thinking that they're good on the inside. We're talking about adding to your faith goodness, behavior, behaving, doing the right things. Peter's not talking about us being content with merely having a good heart or just uh, good intentions. He's talking about good behavior. Now, we know that good works don't get us into heaven. Jesus did the work for you to be saved, to be forgiven. But the Bible says that we have been created for good works, right? 
You were created to do these things. And because we're saved by grace through faith, as it says in Ephesians, then God transforms us and he creates us into the people that can reach that potential. Because I believe every person has the potential to make a wonderful impact for the Lord. But they've been believing the lie of the enemy that they can't and that they won't. So, so add to your faith goodness, add to your faith knowledge or understanding, he says. This isn't just theoretical information. It's not abstract, uh, you know, Bible trivia stuff. It's talking about adding to your faith understanding, knowing what to do and the way in which to do it. Have you known people who have all the head smarts or book smarts, but they just don't succeed in life? They're, you know, I've, I, in college, the, 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 the kid that sets the curb in every exam and graduates maybe at the top of the class, but they can't hold a job because they don't know how to treat people. They don't know how to relate to other people. They might have IQ, but they don't have EQ. They don't have that emotional quotient, the emotional intelligence that you need today to be able to succeed. He's talking about understanding, having understanding. Add to your faith. Goodness, add to your faith, understanding. And then he goes on and he says self-control. Self-control. Many think this is the most difficult thing to add. But really, self-control is simply the ability to say no. Right? It's the ability to say no. You know, budgeting your money is all about knowing how to say no. Right? Isn't it? It's about, it's, it's about saying no to that, that loan that you can take out to buy that brand new car when a, a perfectly good used car would get you by. It's, it's the, the ability to, to say no thank you to the advertisement for higher limits, credit limits on your credit card. It's the ability to say not now to that salesperson that tells you, boy, that outfit looks really good on you. And, and, and when you learn how to say no, you're able to live within your means and you're able to have more than you ever thought you would have because you said no to the things you don't need. And really, self-control is just the ability to say no to yourself, right? So it's, it's not that difficult. And, and just as there's a connection between financial stability and the ability to say no, there's a connection between your moral integrity and the ability to say no. You, you have countless opportunities every day to compromise your integrity. But you need to have the ability to say, I don't need that. I am perfectly fine without that. Sure, if I did that, it might give me a shot of adrenaline or might give me a little wave of dopamine across my brain, but I don't need that. I can say no to that and I can find healthier ways to be able to feel good about myself. And when you add to your faith these things, you will find that you feel better about the things that you're doing that are better. And you're going to get a better high. You're going to get a better rush of dopamine by doing something good for others and being able to say no to yourself. And in the long run, you're healthier and you're stronger for the Lord. So being able to say no to those things is the ability, is how you have self-control. And he goes on and he says, and then add to your faith, patience. Now, some would say this is the queen of virtues, right? Patience, patience, have patience. There's an old children's song when my kids were little, we used to sing. The Greek word for that is hupomone, which really means to, to hold up underneath. In other words, 
to remain under, to stick with it, to tough it out. Tough it out. Life is hard. Following Christ has its rocky moments. It's going to test you. And the ability to stick it out, the ability to hold up underneath it, the ability to to maintain and to persevere in times that are difficult is going to help you. It's going to get you on. You're going to be able to accomplish so much more if you are a person that has this. How do you do it? You, You just, when you fail, you get up and you try again. When you make a mistake, you don't let that be the thing that defines you. You get up and you try again. There's a proverb that says, the godly may trip up seven times, but they will get up again. Peter says, you know what? You're gonna make mistakes. Don't let that be the final word for you. Get up, persevere, hold up, give up, keep going, move forward, move forward, move forward. Then he says, godliness or devotion to God. This really simply speaks about being in the right relationship with God. And how do you define that? Well, Jesus defined it this way. Love God and love others. Duh. You want to be in right relationship with God? Love God, love others. That's godliness. It's not that complicated. But to love God, you need to nurture that love relationship with God in the same way that you would nurture a relationship with your family, a spouse, boyfriend, or girlfriend. You nurture that. And, and when we fail to nurture that relationship that we have with God by taking time to talk to God in prayer, reading and meditating on God's words, feeding yourself with good teaching, worshiping with others, when you fail to do those things, I'm preaching to the choir here, I know, but... But when you fail to do that, you step out of that, then it's easy for you to pull away from God in other areas of your life. Love God, love others, or as the golden rule says, do unto others, right? As you would want them to do to you. So add this godliness, devotion to God, and then concern for others, or brotherly love, brotherly affection, warm friendliness, the the message version says. Too many people live in social isolation, And it's easier to do that today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can be connected to a thousand friends and be totally alone, right? And in fact, I would dare say that in some ways, in a uh, counterintuitive way, social networking doesn't, it, it, it in some ways can create greater loneliness, than more connectedness. Oh yeah, you, you can have all more surface information. You know, you can always say, oh, that's, you look beautiful. That's a great picture. I wish I was where you were on vacation and all those fun things. But I am still a believer in face-to-face relationships with people. I am still a believer in being able to shake a hand, put a hand on somebody's shoulder, hear somebody, go deeper than a, than a tweet in our relationships with people. But when you can have these deep relationships, and you can have deep relationships with a lot of people, but you can have some deep relationships with a few good people, and there is nothing more valuable in your life than to have good, godly relationships with some people that'll have your back, that'll care about you, that'll know you and still love you even though they know you. You know, people might love the the me that I put up in my social statuses. They might love that me, 
but they don't live with me. They, they don't see me when I'm grouchy. They don't see me when I'm angry. They don't see me when I'm frustrated. They don't see me. She sees me. And she still loves me. Thank God for that. And the feeling is mutual. Just want to make sure everybody knows that too. It goes both ways. The fact of the matter is, it's not just your spouse. You need a good friend. You need some good people in your world that you can be you with, know you. And, and so have this mutual, this brotherly affection. You need people that you can trust and confide in and more than people that you should be friendly with. And then the last thing in all these lists, it's always love. Love. The greatest of these is love. He says, add to your faith love. And love is always at the top of the list. It really is. Because that's the ultimate goal. Paul wrote in Colossians, over all these virtues put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love. What does love mean? Love means you love as God loves you. Well, I don't know how to love somebody. Well, how does God love you? God loves you even though you don't return that love back to God. God's love is unconditional. It is easy to receive that love from God, but it's a whole different ballgame when it comes giving that love that we have from God to others. But if the world is going to be the place that God wants it to be, God needs people on this earth who understands that, who gets that. Do you get that? Do you get it? As we get it from God, we have it. We can give it. And so some have looked at this list and they said, well, you know, it's about adding, you know, to my faith goodness, adding to my faith this. And it's like they're climbing a ladder. Well, once I get this down, then I can add the next thing. But that's really not how this works. It's like putting a machine together. You put all the parts of the engine together when you have them all together and you add the fuel to it, boom, it's going to go places. And so what we do is we add these things, these parts of our lives together, and the fuel of the Holy Spirit helps us to move forward, to reach potential that we never thought we could reach for God. God loves this world as broken and as fallen as it is. He loves you as broken and as fallen as you are. And God did everything God could to demonstrate that love for you. And now God says, here, you are my people on earth to extend that love to others and you'll be able to do greater works. Notice what he goes on and says here. We're going to wrap up in just a few minutes. He says, if you keep growing, verse 8, in this way, it will show what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ has made your lives useful and meaningful. That's what we want, useful and meaningful lives. But if you don't grow... You're like someone who's nearsighted or blind. You've forgotten that your past sins are forgiven. My friends, you must do all you can to show that God has really chosen and selected you. And if you keep on doing this, you won't stumble and fall. You will be unshakable. Then our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will give you a glorious welcome into his kingdom that will last forever. I find it very interesting that Peter's the one that wrote these words because his life is the perfect example of this. You know Peter's story. He was the one that was following Christ and said, you know, man, I'll die for you. And then a few minutes later, he's saying, I don't know that man. Who is, I don't know him. I'm not a follower of his. Denying him as Christ was arrested. 
Can you imagine the remorse that he felt? Can you imagine? And, and he's ready to say, let's just go back fishing. Let's go back to our old ways of life. Christ died on the cross. They buried him. Let's, let's give up. Let's go back. And then he rose again. And then Jesus met with Peter on the side of the lake. And, Pete, and you know the story. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Peter's feeling like, I don't know if you can love me after what I did for you to you. But Jesus is expressing, expressing his love for Peter. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Three times Peter denied him. Three times Jesus said, do you love me? Then here I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. And the plan was that Peter would go ahead and lead the church. But wait in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from God. I'm going to go away. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when you receive that, then you're going to go and be my witnesses and all from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And so Peter and the 120 others waited. And that day of Pentecost, the Spirit came. Peter, the one who denied Christ, was the one that got up that day and proclaimed a message. And 3,000 people came to Christ. Peter who had no idea that he had that potential inside of him, stepped out in faith and he did something for God and God did something amazing through him. Imagine if everybody who called themselves a Christ follower reached the potential that God had for them. What would that be like? Imagine if you reached the potential that God had for you. If you were able to say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give myself wholeheartedly to you. God, I'm going I'm, I'm to quit playing games with you, God. I know that I can't be what that person is, and I can't be what that person is. But God, I want to be who you want me to be. And I'm going to add to my life this, these virtues, these character traits. And I just want to be who you want me to be to make a positive difference in the world. Because there's enough people out there tearing the world apart. And I know that you have a people that you want to put this world back together with. We need to be those people. God has given you the power. You have the power. So I'm going to invite the band to come up at this time. <clears throat> and we're going to pray. And, and as we pray, I, I, I want to ask you, you know, a lot of us deal with these insecurities and inferiorities, these feelings of failures, our mistakes, and we think that, oh man, I've been there and I've tried that and I just can't be that person, so I'll just, you know, I'll live a half-hearted relationship with Christ because that's about the best I can give. You have one foot totally in the world and one foot in Christ and you know that feeling, but Christ is saying, step over the line. Come to Christ completely, fully. We do that when we receive God's mercy and God's forgiveness. It really starts, this power that we get begins with a relationship with God where we come and say, God, take me just as I am. I need your mercy. I need your mercy. How many of you need God's mercy? How many of you need God's mercy? I'll tell you what. We are beginning a new sermon series next week called The Miracle of Mercy. And for six weeks, we are just going to pound that truth of God's mercy and how we need to reflect God's mercy to our world. So it's going to be a fantastic sermon series for you <coughs> to come every week. But bring somebody with you. Perfect opportunity. 
especially in a time in our country where there's very little mercy going around these days. We need to build up the mercy of God. Would you agree with that? And so let's, let's find a place where we can, we can tap into the mercy of God. And we're going to really hit that hard. But you can hit it hard this morning and say, God, you know, I know I've made mistakes. God, I know that I, I fail in this area. And I need your mercy. I need your mercy today. And invite Christ into your heart. Because really, it's the power of Christ in you. It's Christ living through us that gives us the ability to say no to ourselves and to say yes to these things that are going to make us effective for Christ. So ask Christ to fill your heart and your mind and receive it and believe it. We need to receive this power, receive the unshakable power that we have from God and we can become a great force for good. And you know what? If you've not done so yet since you've been a believer or maybe you're thinking about crossing that line of faith, the end of this month, we're going to have a baptism service here. That's a great way for you to take a good step forward if you've not done that yet. Because baptism is saying, you know what? I'm not the old man I was. That person is dead and buried. God's washed away my sin and my guilt and my shame, and I'm a new person. If you've not been baptized since you believe, or maybe you're just starting to put your faith in Christ and you want to take that initial step, we're here to help you do that, and you can follow up with uh, signing up for that. But what would it be like if your life reflected God's nature more and more? What would our community be like if everybody who claimed to be a Christ follower had these virtues growing in their life? What if the only thing that was holding you back was your own self-limiting thoughts and today you could forget those thoughts and receive the good promises and assurances of God that you have the power to do this. Replace those thoughts with God's thoughts about you. And I know the problem with a lot of people is I just don't believe in myself. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to believe in the God who believes in you. Because God believes that you have the power. So if you can believe in the God who believes in you, then you just receive what God believes in you and you walk in that power. And you can be the person that God has created you to be and we can make a great impact in the world. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you took a person like Peter who failed miserably and you made him the leader of the church that turned the world upside down. And if you could do that with Peter, I know you can do it with every one of us in this room. I know, God, that you have had the power to forgive me, and God, you've given me the power to forgive those who hurt me. I know, Jesus, that you were tempted in every way, and you conquered that, and you give us your nature, God. Give us the power to say no and say yes to you. God, we want to be your people. Fill us with your nature. Fill us with your spirit. If you're here this morning and you're a person that's here and you're saying, you know, Pastor, today's a day where I really needed to hear that message. I really needed to hear that message. And I just want God to know that, that I'm making a decision right now that I am going to receive from God and move forward in the power that God has for me to the best of God's ability in me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up wherever you are and say, yeah, that's me. Amen, 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 amen. Would you stand? Let's all stand together right now.
Would you just thank Jesus for the power that God has given you? Thank you, Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your spirit that you give us. God, I open my heart to you anew today. I receive, I know that I've had that in the past, and some of us here in this place have kind of just wandered from that. We've gotten overcome by the things of this life. God, help us to renew our faith in you and to add these things to our faith that will make us the people you want us to be. By your grace and your mercy, we ask. Jesus, move in our hearts and move in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.